0: that the consensus in the world today is that religion is not very compelling. Don't you? You know, the world doesn't perceive religion as very compelling, uh, whatsoever. Um, But it's funny, everyone I've ever met finds love compelling. They live their life to find love, to be in love, to be loved, to love someone. And all our lives, we seem to never tire of love. Yet people very easily and quickly tire with religion. Now for, for us, those of us who believe and have already been touched by the Ruach, white, we participate in religious activity. Because those activities are just a vehicle, they're a tool, they're a means to an end. Namely, into the love of God. We use those things like scripture reading and prayer to enter into the love of God, to interact with God's love. And so there are tools, and we know that. But people from the outside, that could just look like a bunch of religious calisthenics. So we want to talk about God's love and love in action. Um, It is his love alone that is transformative. Right? Have you been, you know, how many people have made made a resolution last year? (laughs) Right? And And you, I know you did, you mustered up every single solitary ounce of willpower you had. And you said, this year, Is going to be the year, for whatever it is. And you started January 1 or maybe 2 because you wanted to have the roast with all the trimmings or whatever it is. But you started day 2 of the year. You were so determined. You got up early. You had your cup of coffee, maybe your protein drink. You got on your exercise gear or you decided you're going to read the Bible, whatever it is. And you did it for the first day and you felt good. And you said, God, I know this is going to be a terrific year. And then by the end of the month, that's all in the rearview mirror, never to be seen again. And, yeah, you had good intentions. We all do. But we weren't able to quite transform ourselves. But God is in the business of transforming lives. He's transformed us, many of us, if not most of us, or all of us in this room. God has taken a heart that was so opposite of who He is, His ways, and His principles, and He turned the human heart. God, listen, if you are in any type of human relationship, you know you can't even change someone's mind. Let's change their heart, right? You ever try to get someone, you know, you, you found something that's really good, and you try to tell them, hey, this is great. If you do this, it's going to help you. And then that, nah, nah, I don't believe that. I'm not going to do it, and they don't do it. So think about the miracle of God's transforming love, that he changed your heart and my heart. And we were headed 180 degrees away from God. And in a moment, in an instant, yeah, perhaps he was working on us a while, but there came an instant and a moment where he touched our heart, and we were transformed by his love. I don't know about you, we could drop the mic and uh, <laughs> meditate on that and say, wow, that's profound. It is profound. It's something that the world can't really explain, right? But yet we have experienced it, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Matthew chapter 22, they asked Yeshua a question Rabbi, which of the mitzvot in the Torah is the most important? He told him, You are to love Adonai your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is the greatest and most important mitzvah. And a second is similar to it. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the Torah and the prophets are dependent on these two mitzvot. Wow. I don't know about you, but I found out this amazing truth over, you know, over my life that as human beings we have a superpower. Do I know what that superpower is? we have this unbelievable and uncanny ability to take something really super simple and complicate it beyond recognition the messiah steps out of eternity into time and the rabbis are davening they're over the torah scrolls and they're diligent and every day and they're studying and chanting and And he takes all of the Torah, all of the learning, and sums it up in one sentence. That's impressive. One sentence, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So simple. So easy to understand. Who doesn't get that? Right? It's not beyond anyone. It's so absolutely basic. Yet man has taken the word of God and, wow, sometimes we don't even, what? scratching it, what? What is he talking about? One of the many, many great characteristics of God is that he leads by example. And God provides a demonstration for us to follow. It says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in that the Messiah died on our behalf while we were still sinners. We did nothing to warrant God's love, yet God loved us first through his actions. We did nothing to warrant God's love. Matter of fact, the scripture says in another place that we were at enmity with God. We were at odds with God, his enemy, because of sin. Yet God found a way because of love to take an action that could touch our lives with his love and bring us into a relationship with him. And the reason we love him, we sang it today, Yeshua, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one my heart adores. Right? The only reason we could say that is because he first loved us. That's what the scripture says. It says, so we love God because he first loved us. And the way he communicates that to us. I'm going to give you four things, and I'm going to park on one of them. The first one is the Scriptures. Now, I'm going to, here's a revelation, right? The Scriptures are not God. They contain the words of God, but they're not God. They are a means, a tool to encounter God. And how many of us have ever encountered God through the Scriptures? Certainly. Scriptures It's amazing. I always tell these stories because this is, God has proven himself to me over many, many years how real he is. That I could talk in in my heart to God about something so practical, so real in my everyday life. And God could lay a scripture on my heart. I could go to that scripture and it's like he heard every single solitary word I said and is answering me. And every time that happens, which is very often, I'm blown away. It's like it never gets old that, because you know what? Someone could walk into this room and say, they're a bunch of freaks. What the heck are they doing? And they're waving to the ceiling, dancing in a circle. What is it, a wedding? What's going on in there? But they don't understand that God is real. And only when God has communicated to you personally can you really describe it. So I could tell that God's been communicating to you all because I could tell that you get what I'm saying because it's happened to you. That God has, is real and he communicates to our heart and he gets to those places. I always tell people, especially young couples, because young people want to be married, right, and it's normal, and they want to be married so bad thinking, you know, It's from, what was that movie, Jerry Maguire? You Complete Me. (laughs) Well, I mean, that sounds great, you know, in the movies, doesn't it? You Complete Me. (gasps) And it's great on Hallmark. If you watch those Hallmark shows, man, they get completed every single show. I mean, they're constantly, uh, that's great. It's really a wonderful thing, but the truth is, for everyone in a relationship, and although we love our spouses dearly, hey, 28 years, me and Rabbi Carol. Today, 28 years. The best 28 years of my life. And that's the truth. So we think it's in a person, and although Rabbi Carol is awesome, a human being can't get to that place in here. When you're not feeling it that day, and when for whatever reason you're just under it, and your spouse encourages you, and they give you a scripture verse, but in your kishkis you're just, and then God comes onto the scene, and he somehow, someway communicates to your spirit through the word of God, and that thing is broken, and your spirit is uplifted. Why is that? Because God is real. And we can experience him. And he pours out his love on us. Boy, that took a long time to tell you that. (laughs) That's all right. Hopefully I'll make it up. The second one is tradition. God speaks to us through tradition. I see tradition like a skeleton that you hang things on. And so traditions, listen, we have Jewish people, we have traditions, right? We did some of those traditions today. And we hung our faith on some of those traditions and used those traditions to express our love to God. And traditions are fine. Those who have gone before us and believed on Messiah before us, who have lived for him, have given us wonderful traditions that we use to express our love back to God. Then we have reason. You know, God uses our mind. God is not against education. No, God reasons with us. Come, let us reason together, says the scripture. That God engages us through our mind as He presents reasonable, intelligent evidence of Himself. Like you find in Romans chapter 1. God says, Hey, hey, if you want to know that I exist, walk outside, look at a tree grass. Look at the intricate design. Look at the human body. And it doesn't take long before you figure out there is a designer. There's a design and therefore there is a designer God. So he reasons with us to reveal himself. But the one I'm going to park on today is experience. And that's my first point really. That was all intro. The first point is that All of these things lead to an experience with God. Now, we come in contact with the living God, and we're touched and moved by the Ruach of God. And we recognize, like I said, in some inexplicable way, we have encountered God. Rabbi Carroll said that God, the scripture says, God sits enthroned on the praises of his people. Now, he doesn't come and build a real throne, but... How many of us have ever felt the presence of God in our times of worship? Of course. You can't really explain that. You can't quantify it. you. you and matter of fact, someone could walk in. you matter of fact, you could be sitting next to someone who doesn't feel it at all. But you could be enraptured with the love of God. Basking in his presence. Because it's an individual, personal thing. Matter of fact, if you're having a bad day, and maybe you have a little, anyone ever have a cranky attitude with your spouse? You know what? In 28 years, I, well, I can't say that. <laughs> but every once in a blue moon, you have a cranky attitude with your spouse, and maybe you're coming to worship, and they're singing, and it's going in one ear and out the other, because you're still, you know, <laughs> And that kind of blocks you from entering the present. So there could be someone, and don't get mad at the person to your right or left that's happy in God. And they're worshiping God. And they're, oh my goodness, Baruch Hashem, Yeshua. And you're like, what are you so happy for? Pipe down. that's what happens because it's an individual relationship with God. If you want to know the rabbis, one of the rabbis' favorite verses, it's found in Yochanan Aleph chapter 1. Because it tells us that we are to experience God. And here it is. The word which gives life. He existed from the beginning. We have heard him. Give me ears to hear. We have seen him with our eyes. Give me eyes to see. We have contemplated We have contemplated him. May we perceive him in our hearts, right? And we have touched him with our hands. The life appeared and we have seen it. We are testifying to it and announcing it to you. Eternal life. Notice the next word. Eternal life is not an it. Eternal life is a he. Eternal life. He was with the Father and appeared to us. What we have seen and heard experienced, we are proclaiming to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. What's he saying? So that you too may know that experiential connection to the living God. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Yeshua, the Messiah. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And what he's meaning to say that his joy would be complete if you too experienced God like they did. He's telling you that I touched him, I've seen him, I've heard him with my ears. And I don't think he's just talking about when he walked the earth. He's talking about in a connection, a Yohanan 15 connection, abiding in the vine. That there is a living highway between them and God. That they're hearing him, touching him, sensing him, being moved by him. Job said, my ears had heard of you, but now I've seen you. See, I heard the rumors of what God was like, but now I've experienced God. And although Job was a righteous man, even attested by God, he had not yet encountered God at that level. Moshe, how about him? He was tending his father-in-law's flocks in the backside of the desert and he encountered God in a burning bush. God, through his grace, calls out to the world and he reveals himself to each of us and he tugs on the strings of our heart looking for us to turn to him so that he could pour out his love on us. I hope you don't miss. See, that is the the truly important part of God. It's the the relational aspect of God. Not the religious aspect. The religious aspect comes after the relational. Because then I use those religious things to connect and strengthen the relationship. But the relational aspect has to be first. Coming to know God. Coming to experience God. You see, in the modern world, love is often equated with feeling and emotion. And while those are certainly likely the outcomes of love, they are not love. Love is an action that one person demonstrates toward another. That's what it is. And that's why it says God demonstrated his love and he did something for us. He so loved the world that he gave his son. He moved. He acted. He saw a great need. Some of us knew it. Some of us didn't know it. But he saw our need. And he didn't just say, well, I hope someone reaches them. I hope they find their way. I hope they make it. No, he couldn't sit on his hands. He moved and acted and moved pieces of the puzzle. worked on history to get everything right, so he could step out of eternity and into time and intervene personally. Think of that. Well, when we say, when we think for the second that God doesn't love us, I'm going to say this: that if you went to the President of the United States office today, you'd be arrested. <laughs> Before you, when you got to the gate, right? They think you're knocking on the gate. They'd say, "No, bueno, you know, you're not coming in." And even if you, I mean, that's not going to happen. But the God of the universe personally, personally saw your situation and said, "I'm personally going to do something about it." So if you ever think God doesn't love me, friend, he moved heaven and earth to show you how much he loves you. God loves you a lot. When's the last time someone died so that you can live? They're natural. Anyone? I mean, that, that does happen from time to time, I suppose. But the Messiah died so you could live. Pretty awesome. Ah. Pretty awesome. The love of God in Messiah is not to be confused with the religion you practice. You hear that? The love of God in Messiah is not to be confused with a religion that you practice. Messiah died to restore you to a relationship with him. Experiencing God's love, because this is what I'm saying. I want to tell you that if you look out in our world today, there is a lot of religion. You would think with, I mean, The Messiah changed the world with 12, 12 people. You would think with all the folks, they say there's, I want to say, 1 billion plus believers in the world. You think he'd be stoked to have that type of army? Of course he would. But with 1 billion believers in the world, where's our impact on the world? When he changed the world with 12. Because sometimes we get blinded and caught up in religious practice over and above relationship. You see, experiencing, and, and we need to experience God's love to tell others, right? I mean, could you? I mean, really, could you tell someone how much God loves them if you've not experienced God's love? No, you can't. But when you experience God's love, you can tell others. Experiencing God's love happens when we interact. Say interact with God and respond to His actions toward us. Relational. Who has believed the report of the Lord? And we must say yes, I believe. Or no, I don't believe whatever. But there's an interaction to that. It, it demands interaction. This can be likened to a man who bends down on one knee and pulls out a little black box. Will you marry me? And at that moment the woman could say, uh, what in the world? Is this real? Is this really happening? Is this some type of joke? And And eventually she realizes, no, it's the real thing. And now she must respond to that gesture. That gesture requires a response. You always feel bad for those folks. You ever see those folks that on the big jumbotrons ask the gal to marry them and they say no? It's a bad day. That's a really bad day. (laughs) But a response is required. And so God expresses his love to us and we need to respond to that. That's very, very, very relational. So remember the text... In Yochanan Aleph, we have heard him, we have seen him with our eyes, we have contemplated him, we have touched him with our hands. We hear the call of God in our hearts that says he is willing to forgive us all of our crimes against him. We see him with the eyes of our heart and contemplate all that he's done for us as he touches our lives in very profound and real ways. And how we respond to those interactions is upon us. It's on us. It's on us to, first of all, make sure those interactions take place. Friend, if you ever wonder why, you know what? Knowing the things get dry, things get dry when we're not encountering God. When we're just going through the motions. When we're just practicing religion. Things get dry real fast. But things get fresh real fast. When we interact with God. So that's what we're talking about. Experiencing that interaction, experiencing his love. So hear this. When we talk about experiencing God and his love, we can draw a distinction between religion and relationship. So relationships experience another person while religion can be a tool to experiencing that relationship with god now for those who downplay experience and there's many of them out there like i said there could be someone of another religious persuasion could have walked in this room to today and went hmm that's strange <laughs> they actually think that they're experiencing god they think that's strange They think it's weird. They think it's impossible. But, matter of fact, if that's you, that's okay. I want to challenge that thought, though. I want to challenge that thought process. Think about this. The people in scripture that we take our cues from, that we admire and study, experience God in profound ways. These are the people we read about, follow, and have based our entire life and belief system upon. People who've experienced God. Let me give you the list. Adam and Chava. Okay, Not a totally positive experience for these two, but the founders of the human race had profound encounters with God. Noah experienced God personally and through that experience was able to save humankind. Avraham was called God's friend and experienced a personal relationship with the Most High. And we refer back to him continually. He's the father of faith. David in very practical ways experiences God's love and faithfulness. David's relationship with God translated into real world practical experiences with him as he encountered lions and tigers and bears <laughs> and, right, he, and giants and hostile kingdoms and, right, and people murderously going after him and yet He experienced God doing miraculous things in his everyday life. Wow. All the Talmudim of Yeshua experienced God in ways that no one else before them ever did. And we follow their teachings and examples. So for thousands and thousands of years, men and women have experienced him, his presence and his power. And yet today, there are many who look to take experience out of the equation. I want to tell you that that is a bad idea. What is a relationship without experience? Tell me. Do you want to have a can you have a relationship with anybody without experience? No. You can't. You cannot. So there is a correlation between personal relationship and experience. Herein lies the problem for so many. They try to have contact with God as if he were a grocery clerk. That they go to in order to get the necessities of life. And they take their stuff, they get it, and they gather it, and they go through. Ding, 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 check out, and go on. But God is looking more for a Starbucks experience. You know what I'm saying? He wants to sit down with you. And have a cup of coffee. Talk with you. And just be with you. You ever been with a good friend that you don't have to talk when you're with people you really know? You know, when you're with strangers, you tend to talk a lot because you're like, you're nervous, you really know them, and it's awkward, silence. But with people you know, it's not awkward to be silent. You could sit across the table from a loved one and share a cup of coffee and not say a word. And God wants a Starbucks experience, not a checkout from the grocery store experience. He wants to sit down with you, be with you, share a cup of joe. What's so bad about that? The awesome thing. And what's his purpose in this, by the way? He wants to get his love to you. No, he doesn't doesn't want to beat you up. (laughs) He's not looking, let me, you ever have one of those meetings, by the way, when says, hey, can we meet at the, uh, you know, the restaurant for such and such, you go and they drop some major bomb on you. And like, you had to do that at dinner and I can't can't even digest my food now. (laughs) It's stuck right here. God doesn't do that. He wants to meet with us to love on us. He wants to meet with us receive our love. That's important because you need to know God's agenda. He's not going to sneak something in there and get you, zing you. No, he wants to love you because he knows, he knows that what the world needs now, (laughs) I'll let you finish it, you know. He knows that. He knows what the world needs. He knows what you need. You need love. Like I said at the, uh, on the onset, people look for love their whole entire life long. From pillar to post, the baby's looking for love. The old person's looking for love. and Everyone in between is looking for love. But people tire very, very quickly of religion. So once we, so I hope that what's your appetite to experience God's love? He's not holding it back from you, but you have to give him something to work with. You know what I mean? Like if I just say, not just say, I love my wife. How can I show her I love her if we're never around each other? I could chase after her. But if I never get her in my presence, how do I show her I love her? Hard, right? Matter of fact, you can't do it. And so God's the same way. Oh, he loves you. Crazy love. Loves you crazy. But you have to give him something to work with. You have to be around him. So hopefully that gets you to do that. Just stick around. Here's the cool thing about God. You know, I thought about this earlier. Because I know we, we often talk about those disciplines. You need, you need to read, read the word, you need to pray, right? You need to do all these things, which is true. And we're going to show you that in a second. But it's also okay just to go into God's presence, block off 10, 15 minutes for God, and just sit with God. Just sit. Say, Hi, God. Here I am. I'm doing great today doing great today, whatever, feeling good today, I'm not feeling so good, and just sit and allow God to come and be a help to you. But after we receive and experience God, we need to, do, my second point is to response, is our response to God's love. The scriptures tell us that those who have experienced God's love, right, Because you can't love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength if you haven't, right? He has to first love us. Once we receive that love, experience that, then we can love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So as that happens, this means that we love God through our actions, which necessitates that we put God first. And it's not, it's just a matter of priority. Priority. You know what I'm saying? We put God first. We should not think this strange or over the top, as some would say. Hey, let's not get fanatical. Rabbi, you're too much with God. Too much. I want my husband with me, you know, or my wife with me. Why do you want to do things with my kids? Enough with the God thing. Well, I'm going to show you something in a second. Since in human relationships, we put those we love first, don't we? Matter of fact, in human relationships, the people we love, we put first, and they get the lion's share of our time, attention, efforts, and love. Right? Our kids get that, our wives get that, our families get that. First is not the same as putting God into our lives. I'm going to ask Rabbi Carol. going to come? Because she's been ready for this. Careful. And here's an illustration. These two jars represent our lives. Your life. My life. Whatever. And so we have things that we got to do in our life. Is that not true? That is true. And so... Perhaps we um, got to go to work. Everyone's got to go to work. Right? You have to take care of the kids. Certainly, kid- kiddos got to eat. Right? They need all their stuff, I's dotted and T's crossed. We have to check our Facebook feed. Hopefully, uh, not more than 200 times a day. We have to watch our favorite program. I don't know what yours is, but whatever. Got to check out Instagram. That's how you get those new recipes. or Spend some time with our family and friends. It's important. Got to take some time for ourselves, too, after all. Um, and after all of these things... We try our very best to get some time in with God. And here's God, we want to go to pray, read the scriptures and fellowship and there's just not enough room. rabbi, I got to go to work. Help the kiddos. Rabbi, I got to watch my favorite show. Get you tomorrow, God. Now, let's see what happens when we put God first. Pray read, soak, sit in his presence. A little fellowship with the believers. Wow, the jaw looks pretty full. No room for anything else. That's our excuse. If I put off first, no room. Well, but then we have to do what we got to do. We got to go to work. Take care of the kiddos. Check out our Facebook page. We're so popular. got to watch our favorite program. Check out Instagram. Spend some time with our family and friends. And then take some time for ourselves. And look, it's tight. (laughs) But everything's in. When we put God first, we got everything else in. Isn't that what he told us? Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. We're all doing the same things. It's just in what order are we doing them? It's a matter of putting God first. When you put God first, it's amazing it's like the tithe you know it's the same thing first when you give him cuz when you do you get said that for a tithe same thing it doesn't work there's no money it doesn't fit it falls out but when you do it first god has the ability to be in what we're doing and things work out swimmingly so I think we could all figure out how to put God first, right? Once he is first, we can love him with all that we are and not skip a beat. You hear me? And not miss anything in life, not miss out on anything, not neglect anything. We put him first. Yochanan Aleph. I, by the way, I'd read that small little book of the Bible. 1 John, Yochanan Aleph, as we say. In chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Everyone who believes that Yeshua is Mashiach has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. For this is the love of God. Tells us. How do you love God? This is the love of God that we keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. And I want to tell you that God's commands are not burdensome. They're great. So listen to this. When we follow Yeshua and his commands and I'm just about done here. And when his commands are not burdensome we are loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Therefore we're not burdened By seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. We're not burdened by gathering together as a community of faith. We're not burdened reading his word. After all, we don't live by food alone. That's what the Bible says. But every word that comes out of the mouth of God, his words bring nourishment to our spirit. We're not burdened to pray as Yeshua commanded us or worship in spirit and truth or resist Hasatan or preach the Besorah, the gospel. We're not burdened by those things. All of these things are not burdensome when done in the context of a real love relationship. So let me give you an example. Imagine every time your spouse asks something of you and you responded, if I have to, I'll force myself to do it. Honey, do you want to go out on a date and spend some time with me? Well, if I have to, honey, I'll force myself to do it. Can you give me a hand with something I can't do it by myself, hon? Could you help me? I I really need your help. If I have to, honey force myself to do it. How many of you figure out uh, that that wouldn't go well? How many of you would say that th- it's indicative that there's an issue in this relationship? Honey, if I, if I have to, now how about God? Hey, Michael, Why don't you come spend some time with me? Really? Really, God? If I have to, if I have to, I guess I could force myself to do it. You see, if we're merely practicing religious forms, it will soon become a burden to us, especially when it's inconvenient. And so you'll forego this, that, or the other thing. If it's just a religious practice to read your Bible, it's just a religious practice to pray, just a religious practice to fellowship with the believers, to worship God, when it becomes inconvenient, that's going to go. Well, in a sudden real relationship, that ain't moving, ever. Because you need that time. You need that connection. A relationship based on genuine love and deep affection is one that uses prayer, scripture, worship, fellowship, and a holy life to connect to God and experience his love and then express our love back to him. It's really simple. We all know how to have relationship. You have many in your life, and you know how to do it right, and you know how to do it wrong, you know when it's done right to you for sure. And you know when it's not done right. And the same is true for God. Simple, not complicated, not messy. Not a list of to-do's and don'ts. It's easy. Right? Like I told you. You know, I'm like you. I have good days, I have bad days. Wake up one day, yes, my family, I'm skipping. I got a little spring in the step, a little jokester. The rabbi the jokester is up in full operation, teasing. Then some days I wake up and (laughs) not so good. But then I go in with God, and God speaks to me through the Scripture, through prayer, through worship. What is that? is that? That is wonderful, quite frankly. That is better than the most expensive spa you could ever go to. It's just wonderful that God touches you and meets your need and helps you and awesome. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about love in action. His love to us and our love back to him. So in conclusion, it's a simple concept. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because he has introduced himself to us and we have tasted and experienced him and we simply respond back to him and that is God's action of love toward us our action of love back to him. That's it. That's as complicated as serving God and being in relationship with God gets. And we could all do it. So I want to encourage you, if you've not tasted that depth of experience, do it. Do it. I challenge you to do it. And you know, part of experiencing that is, I'm going to close with this, is a little bit of focus. Have you ever been in this situation? Someone comes and they want your attention. And they start talking to you, but now you see some other people gathering and they want your attention. And they start talking to you at the same time and you, this person is really important, but you know, now, you, you yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's great. And over here, and over there, and you don't really get anything out of what they were communicating to you. You forgot, you don't remember, you weren't focused. And the same happens with us, because sometimes we just need to go to that quiet place. Even in worship, just shut everyone out and worship God. Lord, we worship you. Oh, we worship you. For your name is holy, holy. Lord wish everything out. That's my prayer for you, for your family, for your life. He paid a great price to show you how much he loves you. And it would be a a travesty if we went through life and never fully experienced that love. really would. So don't miss it. Take those few minutes. Focus. Allow him to touch you and respond to that. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. You know, out of all the messages we ever preached, I hope this one you don't let go. I mean, after all, the people you're following, you're following because they had an experience. Have your own experience. I'm recite the Aaronic blessing over you, and then um, we go upstairs for some birthday cake. Sound good? Ever a Kadonai, Vishmerecha, Rer Adonai Ponavilecha Vilkuneha, Isar Adonai Ponavilecha, Visimrecha Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Father, I pray that your peace that transcends understanding would guard your people's hearts and minds in Messiah Yeshua. Abba, that you would bless their going in and their going out. Father, that you would keep them in health, that you would prosper them spirit, soul, and body. You speak healing and health, blessing and favor to them, their being in Yeshua's mighty name. God's people said, amen. Shabbat shalom. Enjoy the oneg. Baruch Hashem.